This is Localization Today, a podcast from multilingual media covering the most relevant daily news in the language industry. World, look, World 50, and uh, I'm here with Donna Parrish and Ulrich Haines, the founders of Look World. Uh, it's Look World 50 not because it's 50 years old, but 50 iterations old. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, including me in the industry. Donna helped me enter the industry uh, eight years ago now. And uh, I consider you more than just professional associates, but I consider you friends. So thank you for all the work you've done. And um, please tell us a little bit about what stands out to you at this look world being the 50th iteration or how you've seen things progress over those 50 iterations. And remind us what the year was actually that Loke World started. We started in 2003. We started planning in 2002 and launched the first Loke World in Seattle in 2003 at the Bell Harbor Conference Center. We had, we had no idea what to expect for the first time event. We booked facilities for 190 people and 290 showed up, which, you know, we took as a message, do more of this. In fact, during the very event, people who had come from Europe said, oh, you have to do this in Europe, absolutely, and if you come to Europe, we'll help you do it. So it led right away to the first European one in June of 2004 in Bonn. And, and over all these years, so now we're looking at 20 years then, right? So it's, it is an anniversary in that way as well. Do you recall that first local world people that showed up that you have seen since and that are still here today? And what does it mean to see people progress in their professional careers over such a long period of time? Well, I was just talking to Gabriella Morales this morning, and she told me she still has her conference badge from that first Loke World, and it doesn't say anything. It's just localization world because we didn't know if there was going to be another one when we printed those badges. So, uh, yes, there's several people who are from the very first days, and it's it's fun to see them around still and to see them move up in the ranks of their companies or start their own companies. Um, Another trend that's really interesting is to see the growth of technology. I remember when we first started talking about machine translation and we got a lot of pushback from vendors who said, no, no, we don't want to even talk about that, you know, because that way it won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it was before, it was, it was viewed then as more of a threat and not really an aid that it's turned out to be. Yeah, in fact, I do remember from that first conference, I had met Jaap Fendermeer, who is with Toes now, who has since created Toes. When we, he got our announcement about doing Lockworld in Seattle, he contacted me and said, hey, would you guys be open to me coming from the Netherlands and uh, doing a one-day workshop on machine translation? And, you know, we thought about it and said, yeah, absolutely, why don't you come? Back then, we didn't do have separate registrations for these pre-conference day workshops as we do now. So there was no idea who was going to come into that workshop. And I remember Yab anxiously pacing and coming out from the room saying, there's only two people in there, there's only, you know. <laughs> but then by the time the, the workshop started, I think he had like 20 some people and 
you know, from then on, MT was, you know, remained to be a big topic and it led him eventually to start toes. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I recall some different ways of how things have gone and then also some additions that you've made to Look World to maybe include or, or provide to a segment of the localization industry that may not associate with everything that's happening at Look World itself or because those roundtables or those sessions became so crowded that they almost warranted an event of their own. I'm thinking about Game Global that was done for years. Now you have Global Toolbox. It's, it's, it's dynamic and it's constantly changing and I know that the people are constantly changing as well. How do you feel that all these years of doing Look World has changed you? <laughs> that one's for you. <laughs> Well, I, I just want to first say that the people that come to Loke World are just a great group of people. Yeah. They've got a, just by the nature of their work and their passion, they have a great worldview where they honor local cultures, and those are nice people to associate with. Yeah, yeah. And it's enriched my life incredibly, as well as all of the travel. And working with Ulrich has been a sheer joy. So I can just say that it's been very fulfilling for me to work for, with Loke World. Yeah. Excellent. Ulrich? Yeah, I mean, I can echo everything that Donna said. And maybe for me, on a kind of personal level, either by temperament or cultural background, I've never been really into hype and smoke and mirrors and superlatives. You know, I have a belief that you produce something good, you make sure it's good, and, you know, and you charge a fair price, you know, commensurate with the value that you create and and trust that people will come and you know in the early days i was not sure whether that would fly particularly for me as a german and american context there is just such a belief that you know the product itself doesn't have to be all that good as long as you've got a good marketing behind it you know you can make it a huge success and that is just not how Donna and I feel and but I'm really you know that has maybe be a very important central affirmation in a way that you can you know stick to you know just calling things by their name and not say it's the best ever or it's it will change your life and all those kind of you know things that are so common in in general marketing right and just simply say no we're, you know it's going to be a good conference we've got good speakers will have lots of good exhibitors and to see that that attracts people not a couple of times but you know over a 20-year period so that yeah thank you for that and I can associate with adjusting to the American way that business is done and in business to business how we were just having this conversation yesterday how in America indeed you can you start a conversation by talking about completely unrelated things to business and you develop a relationship and then you convince someone of your greatness before you talk shop, really. Whereas in Europe, it's a simple request, what are your rates? You give them a clear, this many words, this much, and then they'll go, I'll take this one, please. And it's in that way very easy, but also doesn't leave a lot of room to, you know, to discuss or to, to, to negotiate. I know that Look World has been in North America and Europe in the recent years, but you also had an Asian chapter, usually once a year. So do you adjust to those markets 
when you're planning look worlds there or are you trying to keep a cohesive style between between those locations well you know the decision not to have another asian event was really in connection with with covid right we were actually we had already made arrangement with a hotel in tokyo to be there in the spring of 2019 and we paused because the cost of the hotel rooms had just gone up since they gave us the initial quote to something a single room was going to be like $540 per night and so that gave us pause and then we said you know what that is just going to be too much you know we don't want to pay that ourselves we don't want our attendees to having to pay that and we can't we said let's just not do an Asian one and then like three weeks later COVID hit and we were very lucky that in addition I mean we already had a contract for Berlin Madrid the following year and Vancouver in the fall so it felt really not good not to also sit on a contract for an event in Tokyo and but I don't think that that means we will never go back in fact I had a conversation yesterday with Aki Ito about you know where what could go in Japan other than Tokyo which is just very very expensive and so we'll have to wait and see you know as we had many successful events I mean three times China two times Tokyo Singapore Bangkok Kuala Lumpur so we know how to put on good events so it's a matter of I think we're also right just a little cautious now <clears throat> with seeing if people would come back after COVID they clearly are right so maybe 25 might be a, re- a year to consider Asia again. But the conference pretty is pretty much the same all around the world. Yeah. That's but, that's our but brand. Do you, but do you notice the people that show up, they dress differently? Oh, like sure. sure. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Different, different dress. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, just time of day or whatever, some groups party more at night and some groups are there at eight o'clock to do business yeah. in the morning so air conditioning is always high yeah in yeah, the US yeah. And low in Europe. right <laughs> but the um the conference being a an independent entity with no, we have no nothing to sell other than the opportunity to do business with other people on a level playing field and that's true around the world yeah, I mean, in a way, we follow. In a way, we follow. You know, the model of the magazine, right? Multilingual, meaning you have editorial content, right? That could be an opinion or a case study and factual article, and then you have ads, right? But you know, looking at the content, what you're dealing with, and I just believe, as someone who loves reading and has been reading newspaper magazines all my life, I find it very confusing if you have a magazine where you can't trust whether the fact that this one company is featured on the front page is maybe there because they also bought the back cover of the magazine, right? Uh, Because then I start questioning every bit of information in the magazine. I wonder, is that really true or is it only because they paid money to be in the magazine? And so we are basically trying to do the same thing here. We have content which is peer-reviewed. We, we scrutinize it for infomercial content, but then we have sponsorship, we have exhibits, we, and so, but it's clear, and we have sponsored sessions now, right? But going in, you know, 
intento or phrase, SmartLink paid us money to have a half an hour to address the audience. And just like if you look an ad by Ford on their new SUV, right? You know that they're not going to tell you that maybe the Subaru or the whatever, the Chevy is a better car. You know, it's their ad and they get to say what they want to do. Yeah, that, that really resonates with what we do at Multilingual and especially in a time of so much misinformation and so much influence being put on information and on news. It's, it's crucial, I think, to be taken seriously in an industry that is filled with intelligent people. So, <laughs> absolutely resonates with us as well, that the clear distinction of, of church and state. And that might actually also be a stronger sentiment that we might have as German and Dutch, and but I know you have it just because of ethical convictions. And what's 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 in store? We'll, we'll leave this as the last question, but what's in store? Everybody wonders. Well, you know, we uh, we're continuing. Uh, we uh, announced plans to be in Dublin next June, and in fact, the call for papers is already out there that will close in about two and a half weeks. So anyone listening who wants to submit off paper, a paper for Lockwell Dublin is still in time. The not included in the call for paper was an interesting topic that I came across yesterday, and that is international product management. So any of you, you know, know about that or do that, we would be interested to include one or two sessions on the not just localization but the broader picture of international product management. And then we're currently looking at where to go in the fall next year, whether to come back to Silicon Valley or maybe go back where we used to go, Seattle, Vancouver. Yeah, it's kind of where we're right. Do you want to add anything about plants? Yeah, the future. <laughs> well, I think that uh, topic-wise, we'll certainly be covering AI more because everybody's talking about it and it's going to have an effect. And a program that I'd like to mention that Ulrich helps to spearhead is the Edwin Lock program where where we're trying to give back to the industry and help develop talent for the next generation of localizers. That, that's that's beautiful and the giving I think that you've both done through Look World and also Clear Global, formerly Translators Without Borders. Donna, you were instrumental in getting that off the ground. People see that you're just genuinely good people that care and it's 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 beautiful to be a part of this it's beautiful to have you here thank you so much again and good luck with the last day i know how it feels it's 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 the it's the last hall i know you've been here for about a week so i hope that tonight will will feel good and restful after another really spectacular edition Thank you very much, Marjorie. Thank you. Thank you for participating. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to Localization Today. To subscribe to Multilingual Magazine, go to multilingual.com slash subscribe.